Hey, welcome back to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, November 5th, 2023. And I'm here with a few observations from Ohio State's 35-16 win over Rutgers in Piscataway, New Jersey yesterday. The Buckeyes are now 9-0 with five road wins. Think about that. It's November 5th. And Ohio State has only played four games in the horseshoe. I'm pretty sure that has never happened in my lifetime as a Buckeye fan. The Buckeyes have played three of their last four on the road, and now they head home for two straight in the shoe starting next Saturday against Michigan State in primetime. So collectively, the Buckeyes didn't have their best stuff yesterday. I think most fans would tell you that. In our pregame pod, Paige had this game pegged as a letdown game. His prediction of 30-18 to 18 was much closer than mine to the final score. I had the Buckeyes winning 31-6, to 6, but thought it would be a close game at the half. Our friend Mike Corcoran also had a good beat on this game. His prediction was 35-14 Buckeyes, and that one was the closest of all of us. I've been saying for a few weeks now that Ohio State is going to need the better part of four quarters to put away most of their opponents. That's how they've won pretty much against everyone from Notre Dame and Penn State to Maryland, Wisconsin, and now Rutgers. So I don't think any of us should have been surprised that that's how this game against a much improved Rutgers squad with a salty top 10 defense and a good ground game coming off a bye week actually played out. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time recapping the play-by-play. I'm going to assume you watched and know what happened. I'm going to tick down a short list of observations and then let you get back to your Sunday. Now, I was told that Marvin Harrison Jr. was Ohio State's entire offense, and without him, the Buckeyes would be lost. Well, I guess they forgot to tell Trey Henderson that, because for the second straight week, Henderson went over 200 total yards of offense, 128 yards rushing on 22 carries and a touchdown, and five receptions for 80 yards, including a 65-yarder, which was the first scrimmage play of 50-plus yards allowed by the Rutgers defense all season. Henderson was Ohio State's leading rusher and receiver in this game. Look, all apologies to Trey Henderson. I've been one of his biggest skeptics, and he has delivered big time over his last three games for the Buckeyes. And that's right, I'm including the Notre Dame performance in there. This is the first time in Henderson's career that he's rushed for over 100 yards in three straight games played. And I understand there were five weeks in between the Notre Dame and Wisconsin games because, because of an injury, but I don't care. That stat still stands as far as I'm concerned. Now, Henderson's 65-yard catch and run at the beginning of the fourth quarter was a back-breaking, soul-snatching play that maybe only two or three other backs in the country could replicate. And by the way, that was not a check down by Kyle McCord. Henderson was his primary target on the play. The Ohio State receivers, I believe, all ran deep routes to clear out the middle of the field for Henderson. It was actually a pretty nifty play design by the coaching staff. Now, I don't think they expected to get 65 yards out of the play, But in the open field, with a player like Henderson, anything is possible. And man, I've been absolutely thrilled with how intentional the coaching staff has been about getting Henderson involved in the passing game these last two weeks. I mean, I felt like I was shouting into the wind last year about that, but kudos to Ryan Day and the coaching staff for getting Henderson involved in a passing game. And look, man, Henderson's reemergence over the last two weeks really changes the calculus for this offense. I think the trio of Henderson... And Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka, when he gets right, he was a little rusty yesterday, really gives the Buckeyes a chance against any team in the country. 
Now, yesterday, Kyle McCord broke the school record for consecutive completions with 18 after completing his last seven throws against Wisconsin and his first 11 against Rutgers. Think about that. That's 18 straight completions on the road against real Big Ten defenses. Now, I found that to be a funny step because I was told by Buckeye Twitter that McCord sucks, right? And yesterday, McCord completed 73% of his passes, which included three touchdown passes, all of which were dimes against a top 10 pass defense. Rutgers is sixth nationally in pass defense right now. I don't know about you guys. That seems pretty good for a quarterback who I'm told, you know, sucks. And McCord's first touchdown pass was an absolutely perfect throw to G. Scott Jr. And his last two to Marvin Harrison Jr. were surgical. Uh, Now, did McCord have a couple of rough moments yesterday? Yes. Rough second quarter. His second quarter interception to Mo Torre, who, by the way, is a total stud and probably a lock as a first-team All-Big Ten linebacker. You know, that pick was very frustrating. And he had a couple of other moments in the second quarter. Very frustrating. But as I said it last week, McCord is having what I think is a much more normal first year of ups and downs as a starter than the accelerated growth trajectories of C.J. Stroud in 2021 and Justin Fields in 2019. McCord's offensive line isn't as good as the line Stroud and Fields enjoyed, so you got to think about that. His playmakers, Igbuka, Henderson, and Stover, who did not play yesterday, have been in and out of the lineup all season long. He's playing on a Bum left ankle, and yet McCourt is second only to Talia Tungavailoa in the Big Ten in passing. So, you know, call me crazy, but under all those circumstances, I think McCord has been pretty damn good this season, even though I would agree with the average fan that he's, you know, not been as good in year one as C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields were in their first years with the program. And I agree he's not a top 10 draft pick right now, and I agree there's still plenty of room for improvement. But look, man, I think the analysis of Kyle McCord right now is bordering on hypercritical. I'm just not here to deconstruct every single snap. Uh, Now, I'm not saying we completely ignore, you know, the areas where he needs to improve. But the kid throws three touchdown passes on the road in a 19-point win over a quality conference opponent. And all anybody wants to talk about are his mistakes. The hypercriticism for me personally, it's just no way to enjoy a season, but that's just me, I guess. If you want to be miserable about Kyle McCord, okay, fine, I guess, but please just don't do it in my Twitter feed. Also, a couple of areas where the Buckeye offense has been struggling this season, uh, though looked much improved yesterday, were short yardage and in the red zone. I thought they were pretty good in those areas. I'm pretty sure. The Buckeye offense converted every one of their short yardages situations in third and fourth down yesterday. And they converted all four of their red zone trips into touchdowns yesterday. So not bad. I got to give them kudos for that against a pretty salty Rutgers defense. Now, on the other side of the ball, I thought it was a gritty performance by a shorthanded Buckeye defense yesterday. No Lathan Ransom, no Denzel Burke, neither of those players dressed Josh Proctor, who was having a monster game, well on his way to defensive MVP for the game, I thought, had to leave with what I assume was a concussion in the third quarter. And, you know, look, Paige and I were concerned about the wear and tear on the defense from the Penn State-Wisconsin back-to-back, you know, in this game against Rutgers. I thought as a unit, the Buckeye defense looked a little worn down by the third quarter yesterday. I mean, look, the defense was on the field for 24 plays in 11 minutes and 30 seconds of the game clock in the second quarter. The Ohio State offense only ran 11 plays in, in the second quarter yesterday. They were only on the field for three minutes and 30 seconds. 
And then thanks to the Jordan Hancock pick six to start the third quarter, which was totally awesome and completely flipped the momentum of the game. The Ohio State defense was on the field for the first 13 plays and eight minutes and 36 seconds of the third quarter as well. I mean, the Ohio State offense didn't run its first play from scrimmage in the second half until six minutes and 24 seconds to play in the third quarter. So I personally believe a disproportionate number of snaps and too much time on the field for the Buckeye defense in the second and third quarter was a factor in this game. And I think it explains in a large part why Kyle Manungai and the Rutgers ground game was able to have as much success as they did yesterday. The Buckeye defense, I think, was just gassed by the third quarter. Rutgers finished the day with 232 yards rushing on 43 attempts. And look, give them credit. They have a pretty good one-two punch in the run game with Manungai and Gavin Wimsat. They made some plays, including the 45-yarder, that fumble ruski by Manungai on fourth and one in the second quarter. Give Greg Schiano a ton of credit for that play call and Manungai and Wimsat for the execution. That was pretty nifty. You just got to tip your cap to Rutgers on that play. Now, where I thought the Buckeye defense was just outstanding, they just showed a ton of guts, a ton of moxie and toughness, was in the red zone. They've been great all season in the red zone, and they were especially so yesterday. The Rutgers offense came into this game ranked 21st nationally in converting their red zone opportunities into touchdowns, and they had six trips into the red zone yesterday, came away with only one touchdown, which was a pretty sick catch by Jaquai Jackson with Davis and Igbenosin in his jersey. That was Rutgers' only touchdown drive of the afternoon, and that red zone trip was set up by a 35-yard pass play to Christian Dremel. A missed tackle by freshman Malik Harford on the play allowed Dremel to get the ball down to the Ohio State 19-yard line. And look, Hartford was pressed into duty after Josh Proctor left the game with what we think is a concussion. So you know, give Rutgers credit, they took advantage of Proctor's absence there to get into the red zone. Now, the stand of the afternoon that effectively ended the game was midway through the fourth quarter and the Buckeyes leading 28-16, to aided by back-to-back -back personal fouls on Mike Hall Jr. and Tyleek Williams. Rutgers was in a first-and-goal situation from the Ohio State 9-yard line, but the possession would end on a fourth-and-goal from the Ohio State 6 on a Ty Hamilton sack of Gavin Wimsett. Tyleek Williams, who's been great all season, blew up the play to force Wimsett into the arms of Hamilton. The Buckeye defense is now 12th nationally in red zone defense. You have to earn every single inch against them down there. I just love the way they compete in those situations, and they did it again yesterday in the second half, shorthanded with two true freshmen on the field at winning time, Jermaine Matthews and Malik Hartford. So give massive, massive credit to the Ohio State defense when it really mattered in red zone situations yesterday. The only real complaint... I have from this game, and probably for the whole season so far, was the play of the Ohio State special teams. The total brain fart by Jesse Mirko to attempt a fake punt in the second quarter from the Ohio State 30-yard line was just mystifying. And it was part of a, a series of plays that flipped the momentum to Rutgers. Now, Ryan Day said in the postgame that a fake was not called on the play. It was a miscommunication that led to the mistake. I mean, where in the hell have we heard that before? We saw similar gaffes and punting situations last season, both against Michigan and in Georgia. You know, Ohio State's only two losses. And if you take the drop pass by G. Scott on the play previous to that, then Jesse Mirko inexplicably taking off, trying to run for the first down instead of punting the ball away. And then a few plays later, the Kyle McCord interception. That series of plays really got Rutgers, got the crowd back into it, and allowed Rutgers to eventually take the lead going into the half. 
Look, special teams has been a liability all season, actually dating back to last season. Parker Fleming, one of the only full-time special teams coaches in the country, who also, by the way, inexplicably got a raise and a contract extension during the offseason. I think he might be the worst assistant coach I've ever seen at Ohio State. Now, Doug Maurice said in the postgame that, in his view, there is a real case to fire Fleming immediately. Maurice said if Day fired Fleming today, he could elevate James Laurinaitis as a full-time linebackers coach immediately, which I've been clamoring for. And the other assistants and quality control staffers that specialize in special teams who are already in the building could then focus on that unit. Maurice said that those moves would no doubt make them a better team immediately, and I totally agree. And the way that things are going now in special teams, it could end up costing Ohio State a game. Parker Fleming needs to go. He needs to go right now. He's a complete bozo whose unit is a total liability right now. And that's really the only complaint, the real real complaint I have about Ohio State in this game and for the 2023 season. So I'm looking around the country right now. I don't think Georgia or Florida State did anything to make the college football playoff committee rethink their top four right now. Georgia was in a street fight with, granted, a very good Missouri team until the final minutes yesterday. They also got some home cooking from the officials in that game. Look, Georgia was at home. They were a two-touchdown favorite, and Missouri had the ball with three minutes and 57 seconds to play, only down six with a chance to win the game. Georgia escapes with a nine-point win. Give them credit, but I did not think the Bulldogs were overly impressive yesterday. If you want to put them ahead of Ohio State, now fine, but again, not impressed by Georgia yesterday. And Florida State really struggled to put away a 2-7 and seven pit team on the road. That was a three-point game at the half. The Seminoles pull away in the second half to win 24-7, but I don't know, meh, right? I actually think there's a good chance Washington jumps the Seminoles after they beat USC last night. But look, the Huskies' defense gave up 42 points and 515 yards of total offense in that game. And what exactly did Michigan accomplish by dominating a terrible Purdue team at home that has one conference win so far this season? And I'm not even going to go into how Michigan has been able to beat their opponents this season. As we all know, that has come under major scrutiny in recent weeks. No new developments in the Michigan sign-stealing scandal as of this morning, by the way. And I'm actually happy not to have to talk about that right now. I'm just not in the mood. So the Buckeyes did not have their best stuff yesterday. They had a bunch of key players out, Ransom, Burke, and Stover. They lose Josh Proctor during the course of the game. They were playing their third road game in four weeks, and yet they come away with a 19-point win against the quality Big Ten opponent. They're 9-0. They're number one in the playoff rankings. They have a top-five defense, Marvin Harrison Jr., Trey Henderson, and Emeka Buka. They have a young quarterback in Kyle McCord who's learning on the job. He's taking his lumps, but he's second only to Talia Tungabayaloa in the Big Ten in passing. Can we try to be a little happier with what we have, Buckeye fans? Can we try to enjoy ourselves a little more? There's only three weeks left in the regular season. It'll be over before you know it. And then it's going to be another eight months before we see the Buckeyes on the field again. Okay, that's going to do it for me. Look for a preview of the Michigan State game from Paige, Chad, and myself this coming Thursday. Until then, thanks so much for listening and go Bucks. been 
listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.